For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, give me something to dance to. Finally, Stanford's long, strange trip is over. Seven straight road games, and Stanford goes 6-1. and one. That's a lot of C-house chance in opposing locker rooms after those games. And as of right now, uh, the Cardinal might be in a better position than most in the Pac-12. We'll get into all of those things plus more as we do a deep dive on this edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Sunday, September 19th, 2021. Hello. How are you? Hope you're doing well. You were probably like me and you stayed up late last night to watch UCLA versus Fresno State. God, that game was surreal. But I'm sure that you're also in a pretty good good mood right now after Stanford's 41-23 win over the Vanderbilt Commodores. And we'll break down that game for you on this episode of the show. You, of course, will hear from Stanford head coach David Shaw. You'll also hear Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee and also Stanford outside linebacker Jordan Fox. And we'll definitely get into both sides of the ball, offense, defense, and a little special teams as well. What I think we know about this team after three games, as Stanford is now 2-1 and one on the season. And, um, hey, uh, we might have a quarterback. That's a good thing, especially now, especially based on what else we're seeing around the Pac-12 at this point. So plenty of things to get into on this episode of the show. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. 29 seasons. This is season number 29 of following Stanford football. Certainly glad to be a part of it once again. Also glad to be part of the Pac-12 Network as well. Pac-12 Network play-by-play announcer in my eighth year with them. Hey, I got a big soccer match to call later on on Sunday. Stanford women's soccer hosting Santa Clara. That's a number 10 versus a number 11 matchup. And a battle of champions as well. as Stanford won the College Cup in 2019. Santa Clara, the 2020 College Cup champions. So that should be a lot of fun. Can't wait to get down to a Kagan and call that match after I do this show. But first, I got to remind you uh, that you got to subscribe to the show. I always appreciate it when you do. We are available on your favorite listening app, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, uh, Apple Podcasts, of course, and Google Play, and probably a few more that uh, that I'm not exactly sure about and, and aware of. But no matter which way you want to go, no matter how you want to listen, we've got you covered right here on the TreeCast. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and uh, react on your friendly neighborhood message board. Uh, anything you hear on this show, on this program, uh, whether you like it, whether you're saying, oh, God, that Clarity guy's an idiot. Hey, that's cool. That's what we're all here for. React to the show. Tell a friend. Spread the word about the program. Very happy with how the download numbers have increased so far this season. I want to keep it going as long as we possibly can. 
Stanford's hoping to increase a few things as well as they beat Vanderbilt 41-23, the final score. Big swing just before halftime gave Stanford some separation, and they were able to hold off Vandy from there. Stanford with their first ever road trip to an SEC opponent, first matchup against an SEC team since the Cards' crazy comeback against Georgia in the 1978 Blue Bonnet Bowl. That's going back a ways. Tightly played in the first half. Stanford had a chance to go up 21-7, but got stuffed on fourth and goal from the Vandy 2. Commodores went on a 14-play, 98-yard drive to tie it up. Stanford kicked the field goal with 153 left to go up 17-7, and then the game took a turn. More on that in a second, but first, this reminder, all eyes, of course, on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season and as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Got to give you three things you need to know from Stanford versus Vanderbilt. And we go from one to three, which means we begin with number one. <laughs> And the game swung late in the first half. Cardinal up 17-7 after kicking a field goal. On third down for Vanderbilt, Thomas Booker came in on a stunt, blasted Vandy quarterback Ken Seals as he threw, and the ball went right to Jimmy Wyrick for the pick with 1.22 to go. Stanford outside linebacker Jordan Fox on the significance of that particular play. We take pride on takeaways. You know, they changed the outcome of the game. Um, they're a big, big momentum shift and change in the game. So getting a takeaway, getting an interception, putting our uh, offense on a great field position to score right away is huge. Um, just big momentum shift right, right, right from that play. So big time play by Jimmy Warwick. Yeah, and a big time play by Booker as well to set up the interception. And that set Stanford up at the Vandy 31. Cardinal needed just two plays to score. A gorgeous ball from Tanner McKee right down the numbers to John Humphrey for 26 yards. Then a five-yard jump ball to Bryson Tremaine. He is certainly going to win his share of those. 24-7 Stanford with 40 seconds left in the half. That was enough time for the card to force a punt, which Casey Philkins took back 48 yards to the Vandy 22, and Joshua Cardi kicked a 35-yard field goal. So Stanford turning a 14-14 tie with 153 left to a 27-14 lead at the half. Cardinal also scored on its first drive of the second half, so Stanford overall scored 20 points in 535 of game time. An impressive swing for the Cardinal and one that Vanderbilt could not recover from. Let's move on to number two. And Stanford's running game is going to be a running subplot for this team uh, for the foreseeable future. Virtually non-existent against Kansas State. One big home run ball, but not much else against USC. Better overall against Vanderbilt. It also helped that Stanford's very first carry was a 61-yard burst by Austin Jones. That's back-to-back -back weeks that Stanford's running game has dialed long distance early on. After the game, I asked quarterback Tanner McKee how critical that 61-yard run was for everything else that followed for the Stanford running game. Well, it's huge. Um, obviously, we know that, that uh, the offense starts with the run game. <clears throat> the run game will open up the pass. And so uh, getting those big runs early are super big for developing the offense throughout the game, and it's obviously a game changer for sure. 
Yeah, that run by Jones made me want to shout too. Uh, Stanford with 204 yards rushing on the night. Not bad. Nathaniel Pete adding a 21-yard touchdown run in the first half. Just seven carries for Austin Jones after coming off of a 10-carry performance last week against USC. After the game, David Shaw chalked up Austin Jones's carry numbers the last couple of weeks to load management. As we get late in these, these last couple of games, we got the lead. Hey, we're going to take Austin out. Um, there are going to be some games where it's really nip and tuck at the end, and we're going to put him in there, and he's going to be up there in carries. But, you know, for him to come out of the last couple of games, you know, with, with you know less than 15 carries a game, um, you know, I'm sure he would love to have it more. But at the same time, we're, we're, we're saving him for when we, uh, when we need him. And thankfully, those other guys are coming in and making plays, and it's great to see him get loose out there. Really was. He's, he's been needing that. Um, but that, once again, that's our guy. That's our leader. Um, those guys follow him. Uh, but it's a special group, and you saw all four make plays today, and hopefully you'll see that the entire season. Yeah, we did. E.J. Smith with a sick run in the fourth quarter, cutting back, spinning, hurdling, almost scoring, and he got a touchdown on the very next play. May have tweaked an ankle on that sequence. We'll see how that goes. Is the run game where it should be? Well, no, not 100%, but it appears to be at least heading in the right direction. That's always a good thing to see. Let's wrap up three things with number three. Mixed results for the Stanford defense. Cardo allowed Vandy to drive on them with two 14-play drives for touchdowns in the first half. They committed small penalties. They didn't tackle well, and Vanderbilt took advantage. But after that pick by Wyrick, things largely improved. Jordan Fox told us why and how things changed. Uh, they came out pretty explosive, uh, running the ball downhill. Um, you know, just cutting us out of our gaps here and there, but we got settled in as a defense and started making stops. Uh, I made a couple halftime adjustments and uh, got settled in as a defense. And they certainly did, and there's no better proof of that perhaps than, than in the third down conversion numbers for Vanderbilt. Commodore started the game by converting four of their first six third down attempts. After that, Vandy went just one of 12 on their final third down attempts. That's critical, and that's huge. We'll talk more about the Stanford defense later, but just like the offense, some high points, some really neat things, and some things to really clean up going forward. Those are three things. Some numbers of note, Tanner McKee, 19-29 for 218 yards and two touchdowns, also added a rushing touchdown, and also did not throw an interception. Jones with 80 yards on his seven carries. Pete, five carries for 51 yards in a score. Uh, see, he's averaging 12 yards per carry, by the way. Uh, Bryce Tremaine, five catches for 54 yards and a score. Defensively, Caillou Blue Kelly led with eight total tackles. Uh, Stephen Heron, outside linebacker, really like watching him play. Seven tackles and a sack. And Jimmy Wyrick with four tackles, two passes broken up, and a pick. That young man continues to impress. Now, I'm, I'm not breaking any major news here, I'm sure, to most of you who are listening uh, to this show, but Stanford has a reputation under David Shaw for being a conservative, sometimes cautious team, pounding the rock, sometimes almost to a fault, uh, punting from plus territory, and maybe not seizing on potential scoring opportunities, especially when time is tight, uh, especially right before half. But we saw a more aggressive approach against USC, certainly on offense. And I think we saw that aggressive approach a bit more fully formed against Vanderbilt. And not just offensively either, but also on defense. 
and as it turned out a little bit on special teams as well. Um, when I asked David Shaw after the game to take us through the final two minutes of the first half as he remembered it, he hinted at that aggression. Here is his full response. A lot of stuff happened, uh, but we, you know, been saying it for a while. The receivers that we have, I want to be aggressive in the, in the red zone. Um, you know, the running game that we have that was better today, I want to be aggressive in the red zone. Um, but getting the interception, turning that into points was huge. Um, taking our shots in the end zone when we get up there uh, was big. But, you know, we got that ball down there after grabbed a great punt return. And I my Sharon, I, I told Casey, uh, Casey Filkins last week, you know, he's making really good decisions whether or not to fair catch it or return it. I said, but if you get a chance to return it, you know, be special. You know, you got the ability to be special. And you saw that uh, tonight. Um, he's got a chance to be special. So return a, a nice punt return. It's an opportunity for more points. So, um, you know, old, the, the only the only equation I ever talk about when I talk about football is when I learned a long time ago, field position plus momentum equals points. Um, so we got field position. We had the momentum and to tack on 10 points at the end there for the second half before the second half started was was really good for us. Yeah. Shaw encouraging Casey Filkins to be aggressive on special teams when the when the situation called for it. That led to points. And Shaw also feeling like the wide receivers that he has can allow him to be more aggressive in two-minute and red zone chances. Elijah Higgins, Bryson Tremaine, John Humphreys. I, I throw Ben Urosik in there as well. Those dudes create matchup problems. And that's even before you throw out uh, EJ Smith and split him out wide or Casey Filkins uh, as, as well. Uh, they create matchup problems. And... This is without Michael Wilson, probably their best receiver. We haven't seen him yet. Hopefully we see him in the second half of the season. Um, Cardinal went for it on fourth down twice. Normally Stanford punting from the plus 44 is a given, right? Not Saturday night. David Shaw kept the offense on the field. and McKee uh, got a sneak to keep a, keep a drive going late in the first quarter. And we saw Stanford continue to be aggressive on offense in the second half. Normally, when Stanford's been up two scores in the second half, they go ultra conservative and try to milk the clock as much as they possibly can. Stanford fans tend to call it turtling. We didn't see that this time. McKee kept throwing. And Stanford didn't really seem to dial back on the playbook, even when the lead was still... Pretty comfortable for the most part, not completely and totally in hand, but still Stanford was never really in any direct danger of losing that game in the second half. So Stanford didn't turtle in the second half. Now, the execution wasn't what it could have been, more on that in a second, but I think the approach was certainly there. And defensively, Lance Anderson dialing up a few blitzes again. We saw a little bit of that, of that last week too. Uh, Vanderbilt's drive, first drive of the second half, sent Jimmy Wyrick in on the blitz. That confused the Vandy quarterback and forced him to throw short of the marker. So Stanford defensive backs becoming more involved in the blitz game. Defense certainly did not stay vanilla with a big lead in the second half. We talked about Stanford using aggression and execution and using that as a formula last week against USC. The aggression went up a notch against Vanderbilt. The execution? Ugh. 
More on that in a second. But first, I got to bring you this exciting news. The Believe Podcast Network partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love the most. You'll be able to get in on the on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Will UCLA Stanford make the mix? Uh, I don't know. Uh, whoever makes the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the for the contest. Believe Football Pick'em. That's B-L-E-A-V Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, Go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Stanford made Vegas happy, I'm sure, in some respects, with its 41-23 win over Vanderbilt on Saturday night. And we're breaking it down for you on this episode of the TreeCast. Um, three folks were made available to us in the media for the postgame Zooms, David Shaw, Tanner McKee, and Jordan Fox. And all of them seemed to be in similar moods after the game, happy for the win, but kicking themselves a bit too. Tanner McKee's thoughts on the night. Overall, I thought we played good, not great. Um, I felt like uh, we obviously left some points on the board. Um, we, we didn't finish, um, a lot of plays that we could have, we had opportunities to, um, um, to make big plays and we didn't, um, I feel like we did enough, but we can be, we can be so much better. Um, so obviously we, we played a decent game, but, uh, we're gonna have to be that much better, um, coming each week and obviously next week against UCLA. Yep. He's right. He's right. Uh, David Shaw also had similar conclusions. Defense really helped us out in that second half. Uh, offensively, you know, a couple of things went against us. Uh, we hurt ourselves a couple of times, uh, had a couple of times to get first downs and then get those things called back. Those, those are really painful, um, but great learning opportunities. Uh, and it didn't cost us a game, uh, but we, we have to be able to close the door uh, in the fourth quarter when we have a lead. And we did not do that tonight uh, to our satisfaction. That's David Shaw. And you might remember this last year. Uh, Shaw talked about... Last year's team perhaps not quite being mature enough to hold on to big leads. And he applied that to the offense and the defense as well. And, and I've asked, I've asked, I've asked Coach about this already on a couple of occasions um, throughout this season about how much better or not he feels about that team uh, being better in that department this season. And I was going to ask him about that again after last night, but he answered that for me a little bit. Uh, in that uh, in that answer, that was uh, completely unprompted. But but yeah, penalties, drops by the offense, and a pesky big player two on the ground by Vandy prevented Stanford from putting this one away completely throughout much of the second half. Um, Tanner McKee was even more frank about the difference between the first half and the second half. All the time we talk about bearing teams, and um, I think uh, our guys got a little complacent. Um, just knowing that we did score pretty easily in the uh, in the first half. Um, obviously, we got to finish drives. Um, we can't get stopped on the one yard line, leaving points on the board. Um, and so, I, I just I have to do my part, also keeping guys um, motivated and with fire and ready to go uh, coming out of the second half, so we can start 
in the second half just as fast as we did uh, with the start of the game. That's Tanner McKee. And, uh, yeah, uh, about that whole getting stopped at the one-yard line business uh, in the second quarter when Stanford was trying to make it a two-score game, um, Shaw wasn't a big fan of that sequence either, and he knew where to point the finger on that one. You know, I made the call to go for it fourth down inside the five yard line and would love to have that call back. Um, some things we called later were really good. And, you know, I just, honestly, I just called the wrong one. You know, I should have called something else. Yeah. Hey, I, I, look, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I'm not a play caller, uh, but I am sometimes one uh, in the audio space. Um, I like the decision to go for it on fourth down, but I, I wasn't a big fan uh, of the play call myself. Then again, I, I also said the same thing about Stanford taking the points off the board last week and going forward against USC. I like that decision, but not that play call. But that play call worked. This one didn't. Um, by the way, uh, I feel the need to point this out for some of you out there who might be listening. Uh, post-game admissions like that by Shaw are more common than some of you might think, by the way. So just just throwing that one out there. But, but Shaw is overall correct. Chalk it all up as a learning experience. And I've, 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 I've said this, I think, after every single game so far this season. There have been three of them, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's certainly going to continue for the next few weeks anyway. Um, this is going to be a learning experience for everyone. It's going to be an evolving product as we go along. And hopefully that Stanford uh, takes the lessons that it learned from not being able to completely 100% bury them and close the door on Vanderbilt throughout much of the second half and apply them again going forward. Hopefully they have many more chances <laughs> to have big leads and try to close them out going forward. Starting this week against UCLA. A couple more things on the offense in particular. Um, I really liked the game plan. I really did. That was as multifaceted and as varied an attack as I've seen from Stanford in a while. Uh, formations, personnel, concepts, everything misdirection shifting ej smith was all over the field they had him in the slot they had him out wide they put him in the backfield we saw jay simmons take a starring role fullback for stanford uh catching the ball in the third quarter running down the sideline and then just trucking a dude for a 26 yard game made the vandy cheerleaders in the background blush and wins and go ooh. And then Simmons scored on Spider 3 Y Banana on the next play. That was fun. Always neat whenever the Stanford fullbacks come to the four. Seven different Stanford players carried the ball, including Ben Urosik on an end around. I mean, that was I wasn't expecting that. It didn't work, but it's still interesting that, that that's in the playbook. And nine different Stanford guys caught the ball. I asked Tanner McKee after the game about all the different concepts the different facets, and the different ball carriers we saw offensively against Vandy. I feel like we had answers because we weren't 100% what they were going to do, whether they're going to play man, play quarters, um, try to cloud things. Um, and so we had good concepts, whether uh, two high work left, one high work right, or hot answers or things like that. Um, so I, I just thought we, we called great plays and we had answers to everything that defense was throwing at us and we just took what the defense gave us that's Tanner McKee and, and yeah I, ideally when you have a game plan installed it accounts for everything that a defense might be able to throw at you based on the information in the film that the opponent's been showing you looks like Stanford had those answers and it's certainly based on all the different things that Stanford was doing out there I have a feeling that Vanderbilt's defensive coaching staff was was perhaps searching for answers 
uh, probably by middle of the second quarter for the most part, because because really the only folks to stop Stanford all night all night long was themselves offensively, and a lot of that was due to I thought a terrific game plan, heck of a game plan, and the kudos I think uh, to the uh, Stanford offensive uh, brain trust for bringing it this week against Vanderbilt. Uh, final thing on the offense, um, don't look now, but we might have a quarterback. Tanner McKee threw a ball to a triple-covered Ben Urosik in the late third quarter. That should have been picked. That's the first throw from him this season that I can 100% remember that he probably shouldn't have thrown. McKee, magnificent. Made great decisions. Found matchups. Showed terrific ball placement. I was impressed. So was David Shaw. As we get more experience and we get into the season, um, you know, I don't believe there are going to be too many, too many quarterbacks that you'll say are better. Um, but right now, he's learning, he's growing. Um, but this is this is what we hoped for. This is what we thought when we, we recruited him. You know, he's got a chance to be special, and he's got a really nice group around him uh, that can help make plays for him. Yeah, that's pretty high praise from David Shaw. And, and, and if he's saying that outwardly to the media, I, I can only imagine and, and, and think of some of the visions that might be dancing in David Shaw's head about what the quarterback position could possibly become as the season continues. As of right now, it looks pretty good. McKee's numbers on the season, 50 of 70 for 570 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. That's completing 71% of your passes through two-plus games. And again, no interceptions. Some folks are trying to make direct and indirect comparisons to Andrew Luck after the game. I stay off message boards after after games. I do. I, I'm on Twitter a little bit, so because I, I, I want to keep my, my my thoughts as clear as I possibly can about what I see and what I think about things. Um, I, I, don't, I, I did see some co uh, comparisons to Andrew Luck uh, from Tanner McKee after the game. I can't go there yet, but I certainly like to like the trajectory, and I remember Andrew Luck's. Uh, his first season as the starter for Stanford. And there was not one game that season for Andrew Luck where he immediately put Stanford into a hole that the Cardinal could not dig itself out of. McKee, to this point, has been in the same boat. Again, I'm not going to make direct comparisons to Andrew Luck, and I'm going to be, make, be, be very careful in making any indirect comparisons to Andrew Luck with Tanner McKee. Can't hate on the trajectory, though. I am a real big fan of, of where things could potentially be going at the quarterback position for the Cardinal. Flip it over to the other side of the ball. Defensively, Stanford secondary, a big question mark coming into the season, and it got even more questionable when we found out safety Jonathan McGill and cornerback Salim Turner-Muhammad were going to be out with long-term injuries. And then they lost cornerback Ethan Bonner just before the USC game. Looks like he'll be back for UCLA. So that was a big question mark. But right now, I think the secondary is a strength on this team. Vanderbilt only 151 yards on 40 passes. That's not great. That's not effective at all. That's the second time in a row that Stanford has limited its opponents to ineffective passing days. Caillou Blue Kelly, a relatively quiet night and a pick that he'll tell you that he should have had, but, but sometimes when you have a quiet night as a corner, even though he led the team in tackles, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. 
True freshman Jimmy Wyrick continues to be a revelation. Making big plays, showing good coverage skills, showing good anticipation, being in the right place at the right time, and showing the nose for the ball. Man, I continue to be impressed with that guy who who I, I really didn't know who he was until about 6 o'clock on Saturday night before the USC game. And I said, wait, what? Who? He's going to be out there a lot? Uh-oh. I'm not saying that about him now. We talked about that secondary with defensive backs coach Dwayne Aquina on last week's TreeCast. And I'm pretty sure that he was pleased with how things went for his squad again against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt ran for 247 yards. Take away the sack that Stephen Heron had, the real rushing number for Vandy is 256 yards. At times, Stanford was getting gashed. Commodore's got big gains on the ground, even in passing situations. A 34-yard run on second and 19? Flashbacks to the big game that the big touchdown, the long touchdown that Stanford gave up against Kansas State. Uh, tackling wasn't great. Gaps weren't held. Pursuit could have been a lot better at points. Those are all things that will desperately need to be shored up against the Bruins, who have a fantastic and bruising running attack. That's really going to need to be shored up. So what do we know about this team right now? Uh, Stanford has a quarterback, a potentially really good one. How many other Pac-12 teams can, can, can say that right now? One? And he might be coming to Stanford Stadium this week. Stanford's being more aggressive in its approach than we seem to have seen from them over the past few years. That might be a pretty good indicator of the faith the coaching staff has in this personnel. Offensive line getting better. Still not quite as much push as I'd like to see, but it improved in that department. And pass blocking was, was pretty good as well. And the run defense has a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And not a whole lot of time to do it in. Joshua Cardi has a heck of a leg. Banging through a couple of field goals. And doing fantastic in the kickoff department as well. Oh, and above all, we know Stanford's coming home. Shocker, I know. <laughs> right? You're happy about it. I'm happy about it. I know David Shaw is happy to be coming home. It's been a long time. Um, I was just kind of being facetious at the end of the game. You know, we have to give the guys a map to the game day locker room. I haven't been there in so long. Um, but we're excited. We're excited to be able to go home. It's been a long road trip, finishing the season last year, starting the season this year. Uh, we're excited to go back and play at home against a really good UCLA football team um, that, that's given us fits really for the last few years. And, uh, you know, we got to prepare ourselves um, for – that Chip Kelly attack, he's done a great job against us. And we have to be ready defensively. Um, offensively, you know, we've been up and down against those guys. And, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, didn't play as well as we should have. Last year, played great for a while, then played terrible for a while, then played great at the end. Um, so we got to have a good, even, uh, high, high energy game. Uh, but it'll be great to be home uh, back with our fans. Yeah, it'll certainly be great to see Stanford wearing its red uniforms for a change. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Stanford-UCLA promises to be uh, super intriguing on all sorts 
of different levels. Would have been nice to see UCLA come away with that win against Fresno State late on Saturday night. But, I mean, <laughs> my God, Jake Hayner and Fresno State. Kudos to them. Credit to them. Hats off to them. And Jake Hayner should never have to pay for his own meal in Fresno for the rest of his life after his eligibility is exhausted, of course. But uh, Stanford with some really high points right now. They came away from this first, these first three road games, two and one. That's probably the best case scenario that most of you had in your heads after the first three games. But now we begin the next three. And this, this is really the part of the schedule that I've had circled. UCLA at home, Oregon at home. That game could have even more importance than we thought. And a short week and a plane ride down to Tempe to face Arizona State. Stanford passing many of the tests that were thrown its way in the first three weeks of the season. Now the second three weeks, fasten up, fasten your seatbelts and buckle in. Because as much as we know about Stanford now, we're going to know a lot more by the time we get to mid-October. What do you know now? What do you think about Stanford football at this point? I always welcome your thoughts. Hit me up on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Follow me at Troy Clarity, last misspelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And again, um, you know, get, subscribe to the show. That way, whenever we post these things, we come at you twice a week, generally on Thursdays and Sundays, uh, pending when Stanford plays and do a also, to a, to a pretty big extent, uh, my Pac-12 network play-by-play schedule, which is really going to get hopping here over the next few weeks or so. But we'll generally come at you, we'll always come at you twice a week. So get on board, subscribe. That way, every time each show posts, boom, it's right there. At the click of a finger, the tap of a, the, 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 the tap of a button, and you can get going right here on the TreeCast. And we will talk to you on Thursday with a complete Stanford-UCLA preview. Can't wait to bring that to you. In the meantime, I got a big soccer match to call. Let's head down to the farm and call Stanford Women's Soccer against Santa Clara. Uh, you heard from David Shaw. You heard from Tanner McKee. You heard from Jordan Fox on the program. But, of course, as always, the biggest thanks goes out to you for checking us out on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And if you, 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 if you, you, you can't back the pack... If you don't back the vac, get vaccinated. I'm not saying please from here on out. Thanks for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.